Tafsira of the Quran. We're good. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalat wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa alihi اللهم صل صلاة كاملة وسلم سلاما تاما على سيدنا محمد الذي تنحل به العقد وتنفرج به الكرب وتقضى به الحوائج وتنال به الرقائب وحسن الخواتم ويستسقى الغمام بوجه الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما Today, as you know, every Monday is the Seerah of the Quran which means that we're covering the Asbab al-Nuzul from Imam Siyuti's book and which is the circumstances of revelation why certain verses at what circumstance were certain verses revealed so here today we're on surah al-masad we moved up from now if you want to catch all these you can go to youtube safina side youtube channel and there's a playlist called nothing but facts all right and eventually we're going to get to putting all these on uh, the on a play on the uh uh, uh playlist or google play what is it called for apple uh, iTunes, huh? What is it? I Apple Music now it used to be out, called iTunes. I guess iTunes is non-existent anymore, right? It's now Apple Music and Google Play. So here we go. أخرج البخاري وغيره عن ابن عباس قال صعد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم or صعد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم على الصفا فنادى يا صباحا فأجمعت إليه قريش قال رأيتم لو أخبرتكم أن العدو مصبحكم أو ممسيكم أكنتم تصدقوني قالوا بلى فإني نذير لكم بين يدي عذاب شديد فقال أبو لهب تبا لك ألهذا جمعتنا فأنزل الله تبت يدا أبي لهب وتب إلى آخرها So this Bukhari hadith tells us Prophet Sallallahu he used some common sense and analogy with these people he said to them if I was to warn you about an enemy coming would you believe me yes or no they said yes of course we believe you he said then i'm telling you something greater than this and more important that there is a painful torment for whoever is a mushrik whoever associates a partner with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah everyone stayed silent only abu lahab spoke and he said, Tabban laka. Tabban laka is like a, a word that you would say to somebody, for example, like uh, it's like a, a belittling word. All right. It's not a curse per se, it's a belittling word. Like, may you be blameworthy. All right. You're blameworthy. Essentially, that's what it means. So Allah Ta'ala says, No, the blameworthy one is Abu Lahab. All right. Tabbat yada Abi Lahab wa Tab. May both of his hands be blamed, meaning his whole body be blamed. That's. Um, the ishtimal of the ba'd from the kul. Right? You just, when you say something for part of somebody, but you mean the whole thing. Okay? Uh, badal, sorry. Badal al-ba'd min al-kul. And then, tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tab. And blame him again. All right? He's, so he's blameworthy. He's the one who's blameworthy, right? For saying that about the Prophet, peace be upon him. وَأَخْرَجْ إِبْنُ جَرِيرٍ مِنْ طَرِيقِ إِسْرَائِيلِ عَنَ بِي إِسْحَاقٍ عَرَّجُلٍ مِنْ هَمَدَانٍ يُقَالُ لَهُ and that's Umm Jamil. كانت تلقى تلق تلقي في طريق النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الشوك. She used to the wife of the of Abu Lahab was Umm Jamil, and she used to place thorns and and anything sharp in the path of the Prophet peace be upon him, specifically at night. Okay, when you know, things were you can't see and you step in them and get your thobe caught up in them, etc. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala includes her in the surah. So in this case, what we have here is that Abu Lahab and Umm Jamil, they used to be close with the Prophet and Khadija. So, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, uh, so close that their two sons were engaged to marry the two daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the oldest two daughters were engaged to marry the two sons of Abu Lahab. All right. And then when the revelation came, Abu Lahab just, he made an about face. And he just totally turned on the Prophet ﷺ in the worst way possible. Right? He turned on the messenger, peace be upon him, and he became his worst enemy. And that's why Islam, what it does, is it separates the good from the bad. It separates the pure from the impure. It separates and it brings out your true colors. So there is a worldly element of people. that They might be great in the dunya. They have good advice. They know how to handle things in this world. But Allah says, that's, their, that's the max of their knowledge. Once you bring the otherworldly elements into this, all of a sudden things uh, change, right? And their attitude changes and everything is transformed. So that's Surah Al-Masad. And regarding this, so Abu Lahab is somebody Allah Ta'ala has announced his adab. We don't say that anyone is guaranteed to be in the hellfire except those whom Allah Ta'ala has named, Fir'aun has been named, Iblis has been named, Abu Lahab, Umm Jamil have been named to be people of Jahannam. All right. Now let's go to another one. It's very important. When the Prophet Sallallahu came in as the victor, as the conqueror in Mecca, and Surah Al-Nasr was revealed. All right. Abdul Razak fi musannafihi an ma'mar. This is one of the best chains that you can ever find. Abdul Razak al-Sanani from Ma'mar ibn Rashid from al-Zuhri. Ma'mar ibn Rashid was a boy and his parents sent him to go to his relative's house, happened to be in Medina, to sell some cloth, some, some material. And he was a youth. And he went and he stayed in the relative's house and he said there was an old man with a white beard telling stories. That's what he saw. So he slept. Next day, pay attention a little bit, slept. By the Eventually, by the end of this trip of his, he was hooked. That old man with a beard, as he said, was the great Az-Zuhri, Imam Az-Zuhri. Okay? And so Ma'mar ibn Rashid became the student of Az-Zuhri. Ma'mar ibn Rashid eventually went down to Yemen, to Sana'a, which is the city in North Yemen, to become a, a teacher there and a sheikh there, and his best student was Abdul Razak. So that chain, if you see that chain, it's a golden chain. Abdul Razak, Ma'mar, and Az-Zuhri. Okay. So he says, Az-Zuhri says, لَمَّا دَخْلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ إِلَى مَكَّةٍ عَامَ الْفَتْحِ بَعَتَ خَالِدِ بِنْ وَلِيدِ فَقَاتَلَ بِمَنْ مَعَهُ صُفُوفَ قُرَيْشٍ بِأَسْفَلِ مَكَّةَ حَتَّى هَزَمَهُمُ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ أَمْرَ بِالسِّلَاحِ فَرُفِعَ عَنْهُمْ so Khalib ibn, ibn Walid, the, the people were sent, different people were sent, generals were sent all around Mecca. All right. And then they submitted. The only fighting was in the south of Mecca, the lower part of Mecca, where Khalib ibn Walid, he killed four people and they fought. And then it was commanded by the Prophet that lift your weapons, no more fighting. We have a truce, a, tr a truce here. We have a, a submission from the Ahli Mecca, they have submitted themselves completely. So people came in droves to enter Islam. But here's something relevant for us. 
There's a hadith that comes that's relevant to this surah. They were coming in droves, in waves, entering into Islam. But the Prophet ﷺ, when this was revealed, after this was revealed, all right, stating that they're entering in, all right, he said then that as they enter in in waves, they will leave in waves. Because why are they coming in in such waves all of a sudden? Well, it's easy because Islam's the winning horse now. And Islam's the winning party now. People like to be with the winners. So there's a select group of people, every generation, they're people of lub. Like they have a lub, they have a core to themselves. And those people are called as-sabiqoon. They outstrip everybody. They beat everyone to the neck to, 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 to the truth. And they'll they'll pay any price. They're called as-sabiqoon. Surah al-waqi'ah. Sabiqoon as-sabiqoon. Okay. These are the sabiqoon are the first people, and they are the people who, who entered Islam in Mecca. And then there's the next level, which are the Ansar. The Ansar did not have to sacrifice their home, but they sacrificed their security outside of Mecca. The, the, the Muhajirs, they, the, the Muslims who became uh, the converts in Mecca, they sacrificed their homes, their family, and security. And the Ansar did not have to sacrifice their families or their homes, but they sacrificed their security outside Mecca. After the conquest of Mecca, there's hardly there's no sacrifice. It's just you're gaining. So they're not the same. Okay. And that's why the Prophet said drew a line. He said, There's no hijrah after the conquest of Mecca. So that's it. He drew a line there. And as a result of that, afterwards, uh, there these are three levels of, of the Sahaba. So in every generation, in every issue, you have people that are very quick to figure out to see the truth and pay any price. Whatever the price is, they'll pay it. All right. Then you have the next uh, group of people that they don't they won't pay any price but they're very quick they're quick to to follow and that's like the ansar and then you have the people who they'll only come when there's no stress they'll only join in after the thing's over halas this is the winning party so the Prophet said said this is the nature of humanity human beings are like this at the end of time when islam is battered from pillar to post all right then at that point people will leave in droves and that's what's happening people are unfortunately you know not to be negative but it's true they leave islam in droves and if they're going to leave islam in droves then they'll definitely leave parts of the deen in droves so you should all expect this not to think too much about it because you may actually end up being a cause of it happening uh without realizing it but don't be surprised if you see these types of unfortunate uh, realities where people are just leaving major parts of the deen, just wake up one day and say, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. And that's what happens essentially. All right. So we've done two surahs. Next surah is Al-Kafirun. We'll do that next week. Let's go to your comments and your Q&A and open it up. Uh, and any announcements? Oz, do we have any announcements? Or Ryan, any announcements today? Anything uh, unique that's going on that we need to announce? Hmm. All right. All right, Ryan, what you got? Okay, so somebody asked, can we eat in restaurants where they sell alcohol? Can you eat in a restaurant where they sell alcohol? Technically, the food that you eat there, you would not trust that their statement that is halal because unless they have some kind of other way of witnessing like other cooks or waiters or, or whatever uh, who are Muslims, but um, 
if they are if the owner is selling alcohol, then he's no longer trustworthy by the standard of the Sharia. So if you're doing a public sin, then you're not to be trusted in matters of the Sharia. So that's a very simple thing. And uh, as a result of that, they would need an, another witness, okay, like a chef or a cook that is a Muslim and tells you, yes, yeah, the owner is a bit crazy on this uh, angle, but I've seen the meat and it is halal, then you can eat that. But just on the account solely of the owner of the restaurant who sells alcohol, then you can't trust that their meat is halal. Secondly, though, um, uh, if it's just eating seafood, then you you can eat there if it's far from where there's alcohol. So if the alcohol is on the right, far on the right wing of the restaurant, and you're on the left side, then labasabihi, but probably more close to karahiya discouragement because you're still in the same building uh, with alcohol. We know that to be on the same table as alcohol is completely haram. Okay, but if alcohol is far over there and I'm over here, right, and there's no other options, then it would probably be less than for, forbidden towards the, the makru side. All right, how would you define, this is Yusuf Sheikh, put your questions in the question box. Uh, Yusuf Sheikh says, how would you define classical Sufism and, and who would be its imam? Very simply, Tasawwuf is, as the Prophet said, it is to worship Allah as if you see him. If you don't see him, then to know that he sees you, which is maqam al-ihsan, which is perfecting your heart and your ibadah and your sincerity, which is essentially the examination of the diseases of the heart and the positive states of the heart, which are the fada'il or the virtues of the heart, uh, the muhlikat and the munjiyat, the things that destroy you, the evil diseases of your heart that destroy you, and the virtues of the heart that elevate a person. Okay, so uh, who are its imams? Hadith al Muhasibi is one of its first imams. The uh, Junaid al Salik is one of its first imams, without a doubt. Uh, uh, Imam Ghazali is one of its first imams, early imams, I should say, and he's one of its biggest. Uh, these are the famous imams of the science of Tasawwuf. Uh, Imam al Qushayri, Abu Talib al Makki, these are some of the early imams of this subject matter. Next question Why is picking between two harams nearly in every matter, even though there are rules clearly regarding them? Why? Are, is picking between two harams and clear in every matter, even though there are rules regarding them. Where's the question there? Why what? I mean, I guess we could just make it into the question, how do you pick between two harams? How do you pick between two harams? Which is actually the so many cases today in our life is be picking between two harams. They're like weddings, for example. You can go to a wedding from your family that something haram is going to be happening at this wedding then again at the same time it's your mom or your grandma is going to be so angry with you if you don't show up at your sister's wedding or your brother's wedding so what do i do so you like that's the nature of our life these days almost everything in our life is picking between two forbidden things or an impossible situation that's impossible to live with and something forbidden it, that it does happen that's how it happens and the way that you do that is that you don't necessarily have to do that yourself. You can go and, and get the counsel of someone who's been around the block, who's lived as a practicing Muslim who studies fiqh. Right? That's why our, we have a deen of the isnad. You don't have to always figure things out yourself. These days there's WhatsApp and communication so that you don't have to try to make these ijtihads all by yourself. You, you're not, you don't live as a Muslim by yourself in this world. That's the beauty of it. We have a community. 
we got plenty of pious Muslims who have the same situations and worse. Next, don't next time you see a Muslim, don't imagine that every pious person is surrounded with pious people. It's the biggest mistake people make. They look at someone and he's living his life full of deen everywhere around. And you imagine, oh, his mom must be like that. His dad must be like that. His brothers, his sisters, his kids. Don't imagine that. So ask them because everyone these days in the cities, especially, uh, I really, uh, from my experience, they're all suffering the same type of haraj, uh, impossible situations, very difficult situations. And so look and examine and ask around those people how they manage those situations. That's the best thing. You shouldn't, we shouldn't have uh, uh, this goal in life and, and Dean that is this idea that I want to be completely independent of people. No, we're exactly the opposite. What's rewardable, what's recommended is that we need right, to be with other people. That's, what, that's how we benefit and we get their, their experience. Okay. I guess like a follow-up question, um, you know, sometimes the situation, it seems impossible. Like, for example, I'm in a job and the job involves me doing clear haram. Yeah. So how do I have, like for a lot of people, like, you know, you seem like you're in a rock and a hard place, but the obvious answer is to quit your job, but it's easier said than done, you know? Um, so how do I have the tawakkul in, uh, in Allah to allow myself to do that, you know, despite the fear of the unknown? Yeah. So for example, someone whose job is 100% haram, Yet that's something that we know that we have to stop doing. How do we do that? How do we avoid that? Um, well, first, before we get to answer that, La Chloe, Cozy Chloe, she says, Assalamu alaikum, what's the topic? We're now on open QA. We just finished talking about Surah Al Masjid and Surah Al Nasr, and uh, we're on an open QA today, uh, right now. And we're talking about uh, someone's got a job, he's got to leave that job. How do we build the reliance on Allah Ta'ala? to do something that it seems that's going to harm my worldly affairs. It's very simple. A lot of ibadah, a lot of recitation of Quran, salah, and ibadah, and dhikr, and dua. Because when you do ibadah, and dhikr, and dua, you enter like an, into an unseen, I don't know how to describe it. You enter into an unseen mode. You're in a mode where you're, you're in any many mode that's not normal. When you do a lot of ibadah, and dhikr, and dua. And so that's the mode that you want to be in. You're able to obey Allah and you feel that what Allah guarantees you in the Quran is more real than what you see. And that's what the Salaf said. They said that the, the height of Iman is that what Allah guarantees us in the Quran is more reliable to me and more real than what my senses perceive and what my mind imagines. So if, if I'm guaranteed in a formula Fear Allah and Allah will find a way out for you. Then to me, if I do a lot of dhikr and a lot of ibadah, okay, you enter a point where that is more of a truth, 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 that's more of a truth and a reality than my own perception of reality, which is that I'm unemployed and I have an empty bank account. Okay. And I'm telling you, I've seen situations where I didn't even do it by, by on purpose, but by accident. And you do certain ibadat, especially in the last third of the night. Salah on the messenger, peace be upon him. Because a circumstance forced you to be up at that hour for a long period of time. Next day, you go in and every which way I turn, someone's paying for me something. Even at the gas pump. All right, let me pay for you. Uh, your card doesn't work, but don't worry. I'll just give you 10 bucks and go ahead. You go to the thing, you supermarket, You someone sees you. Oh, let me just cover your 
how does that happen? Because this these adhkar they they move the world the the they they bring about an answer from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you see in your real life. But this you can't you'll never have the certainty unless you do a lot of recitation of Quran and ibadah. And that's something that we have to put energy in. Today, people could sit all day and you can watch people motivating you to run, to, to lift, to stop eating fat, to stop eating bread, to stop eating sugar for the sake of the body, right? We're here to motivate ourselves right, to do something that otherwise you'd never do by yourself. You, we need motivation. That's why Allah says, Remind people because that, remember, that reminder and that motivation to do a lot of dhikr and a lot of Quran, it's going to change your life. What's the ruling on those who insult awliya and denies their miracles? Um, not good. If he denies the existence of awliya, period, and the existence of miracles, period, that's uh, part of aqidah. So he's going to be, a, we'll consider him a mubtada, maybe even something worse than that. But if he denies a specific karama, he does, you're not, you don't have to, to believe in a specific claim of a karama, of a miracle from a wali. He's not obligated, but he can't say he's lying because that would be a false accusation. You don't know he's lying unless he's lied in other things that you could measure. There are certain things that we could measure that he lied in. So he's al kadhab. Then I don't have to believe anything he says, right? If he's a liar. All right, next question. Was Habil salam's it was his, the first death because Allah sent the crow to show Qabil how to bury the body. That's true. Yeah, the first death was Habil was killed by Abel was killed by Cain. Habil was killed by Qabil. And then the crows came and they buried a body of a dead crow. And that showed uh, uh, Qabil how to bury his brother Habil. Before that, he didn't know what to do. Do we know his fate after? Like, yes, his fate happened? afterwards was he was a fasiq who was expelled. He was expelled from the mountain that they all lived on a mountain. And he was expelled and he became the imam of sinners. So at that time, the world was people submitting to Ad, to Allah and to the Prophet Adam. And then there's those who, who rebelled against Adam. But they were not kafir, right? They believed in Allah. There was no shirk yet and no kufr. But they were not listening to Adam anymore. So this, is, this ties into the story of, um, of Seth, right? From and then Sheath came out. Yeah. And after that, Sheath, um, Seth or Sheath, he waged a jihad against his brother. That was the first jihad. Yeah, and the Malaika Jibreel helped him, pushed them far away. Cozy Chloe says, what Sira book would you recommend starting out with? I like, it's a big book, but Sultan of Hearts, I heard is so many good things about the book Sultan of Hearts as a good uh, uh, Sira book. It's pretty big, but that's it's a good one. Um, Hamza Yusuf Sira, 48 parts, I think, maybe 36 parts. Uh, it's on YouTube and on SoundCloud. Sira is really good too. Shuaib says, what's the ruling on missing three consecutive Jumas to work? You have to make Toba. You got to figure it out. You got to put the effort in to figure it out. Uh, but by the way, look, if you're, if you're Juma, if you're working somewhere and the Juma is far away, then you're not obligated. Right? The obligation is lifted. If it's far away, let's say a 45 minutes drive. Plus, right? something far away and by the way it's a little bit less than that well a lot bit less than 45 miles but um alia says how does one navigate relationships with siblings who are keeping ties with another sibling who has sexually abused you where's the kinship ties here 
Well, the question, this is a tough question because you're saying they sexual abuse you. The other siblings may not see it that way. That's why. So if there's A, B, and C, I have an issue with C. B has not seen that. They don't have proof of that. It's a claim, your claim versus his claim. So if it's one of those, there's nothing you could do unless you show them the evidence, right? And usually these things don't have evidence, unfortunately. That's the problem with sexual abuse is that usually there's no evidence. So because there's no evidence, it's he said, she said. So why should I believe my sister over my brother or my brother over my sister, right? Or my cousin over my brother. So uh, it's he said, she said. So um, it's a very tough situation. There's no, there's no answer that's going to make anyone happy in this because it's always ends up being a he said, she said type of thing. And um, even if I believe you, I can't necessarily act upon it. See, that's the thing. I can believe you, but I can't say that other person's guilty because I have no evidence. So there's a big difference between believing somebody and then acting upon it because I didn't see evidence. So I believe you, but I can't say he's guilty until I see some evidence. So that's probably the mindset of many people whose two friends have a dispute. Forget sexual abuse. Any dispute. Two of my friends hate each other now, right? I'm in the middle. What do I do? I support my friend that I believe is truthful, but I cannot render my other friend to be guilty unless I have evidence. That's just how it is. So I'm sorry for to being innocent. One, uh, that's the screen name here is... You know, oh no, that's not her. It was someone else. It was Elia. Um, you know, that's the situation with these things. So th think about it from the middleman's perspective. C says, I'm innocent. If I'm guilty, show me the proof, right? How can I cut him off when there's no evidence? That's the problem with a lot of abuse. Let's see if she replied. She said something. She said, they know the truth. They believe I have been abused. Oh, okay. Well, that's different then. Yet, because there may be their personality, maybe their weaker personality, they won't do anything to that person, right? They won't cut them off. They won't say, listen, you got to go apologize, et cetera, et cetera. Then they have a weaker personality maybe. And that happens all the time too. They have a weaker personality. So they're just not going to, uh, to do anything. In that case, you know, you know, it's something that where. So the question becomes: Do I do? How do I handle such a person? Well, he's weak. What can you do? He's weak. If you don't like him being weak, you can change towards them. You can avoid harm in any family. We don't cut king chip ties, but we are allowed to avoid harm. So it's if it's harmful for you to hang out with this person because you just can't stand the fact that they're not standing up for you then what you do, you're allowed to avoid harm, but you don't cut off ties. And you have to find the, the middle balance there. The idea that I'm avoiding harm, but I'm not cutting off ties. This person harms me, okay? But I'm not going to cut him off. Cozy Chloe, anywhere recommending starting studying Medicufic, something easy and not too complex? You came to the right place. <laughs> Tomorrow, what time's our class? 7.45? 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock. Because we uh, 7.45... You got to go to myarcview.org and sign up for ArcView Basic. It's essentially free. It's $10 a month, right? Which is free. If you ask me, $10 a month is free, right? Uh, a couple of two, two Starbucks. That's two, two lattes a month. So you go there and you're going to get a, a link 
And you could take any of the classes that are there. There's maybe 14 live classes and 50 pre-recorded classes. So the way that ArcView works is that we offer the classes. The student can take whatever class that they want. Some, you know, so a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I can't take all these classes. You don't have to. You think we're going to come and chase after you and ask you why I didn't show up to class? You take whatever class that you want and you catch up on the recordings later. Okay, so for 10 bucks a month and you join a WhatsApp community where you can ask your, your fit questions. And we're on, we just finished making mistakes in Salah last week. So we're not even so far into it. But the, the idea of ArcView Base, what we do is we read the intro Maliki fit texts year round. And of course, we take some vacations, but year round. And then when September starts, we start all over again. And we just repeatedly do it over and over and over and over because there's always new people coming to learn. Okay, so Cozy Chloe has asked uh, the right question today. All right. Um, Alia says it's more about keeping ties because parents and others aren't aware. So you have to keep your basics. You have to do your bare bone basics towards people. Right? The bare bone basics. All right. As a Muslim, that they have the right to receive your salams, they have certain rights upon you. And that's it. After that, if you don't like them, halas. No one's forcing you to go hang out with them 24 hours a day. That's not birril walidain or kinship bonds. I don't care what anyone says, it's not. What do you think of communism or Marxism? It's um, a destructive philosophy on how to live. Why would I get learn how to live from these people? Karl Marx, someone who never had a job, all right? Um, he was a drunkard. He slept in. He never earned a buck in his life. He lived off of other people. Who is he to tell us how to live our financial lives? And what is the rightful ownership of who? Who's, uh, you know, of what? It's theft. Communism is nothing other than theft. They're stealing just because the rich may be as guilty as we agree upon. They're all guilty. They're all greedy. They're all selfish. You still can't steal from them, right? So um, can Muslims uphold this and sympathize with it? You go sympathize with the communists until you get rich and they take your money and sympathize with the socialists. There is no movement that's killed more people than communism. And there's no country that this philosophy descended upon except it left it in ruins, rubble. Go live in Romania if you love communism so much. Go live in those countries. Go live in, well, Russia's doing good now because they're all capitalists, right? And, and that capitalism is not good either. Capitalism will destroy your soul and your morality. So uh, both of them are terrible. By the way, from like a Dini perspective, yeah. um, I took a class a couple of years ago on communism mm -hmm. um, and they examined, you know, the work of Karl Marx. And not only is he making economic claims, though, yeah. um, he's making spiritual claims. as 100%. well. He's a philosopher first yeah. before he's an economist. Like, but it's to the point where it's like actually like the way that he describes it. It's been a couple of years, so I don't remember the exact details. But like when he talks about people putting in their effort and stuff like that, yeah. he creates terminology. And he talks about it in the spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's as if like, he's like, he can see yeah. the work that people are doing and he sees it going up to the heavens. Essentially what he has his own religion as well. Yeah. And then that's what's motivating the economic thought. It's not the opposite way. Mm -hmm. He was seeing something like he was like clearly misguided and deluded, but he's making spiritual claims. And if you're adopting like communism and Marxism, yeah you're adopting his aqidah too. And his aqidah is completely wrong. His beliefs about the universe is that matter is all that's real. 
anything abstract is a reflection of relationships between material things, not the other way around, which we say it's the other way around, right? We say that uh, material things are sort of reflections of higher meanings, right? So the human being has a higher meaning. He's in this vessel of a human being, so uh, of the body, all right? So Marxists, Marx began as a complete materialist, and then his concept of wealth is that it's essentially shared, right? But who's managing the sharing? The state. But who is the state? Other human beings, right? So they, wh what gives them the right to manage everyone else's wealth? What do we believe about wealth? What do the capitalists believe? The capitalist believes your money is yours. You worked for it, it's yours. We believe, no. All right. Allah says, Min Give out from the wealth of Allah which he gave to you. Okay. Give people the wealth of Allah that he gave to you. So all wealth is Allah's. And yet he gave some to us and we're allowed to do certain things with it and we're not allowed to do certain things with this. And he could take away certain wealth that he wants to take away, such as what? Zir zikah. Okay. He could take it away. Right. It's his right to say, pay this amount. Don't earn money this way. And after you die, it's his again. He, he he allotted you one third to give away to a non-inheritor and then he gives the rest away Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by what he ordained so we have our own philosophy of wealth and the attainment of wealth is not just through work the attainment of wealth both both agree both sides that wealth is produced through work we said no wealth is produced through uh, work and divine commands so inheritance is a divine command and also zakah is a divine command. So it is your rightful wealth. Zakah is the rightful wealth of a poor, of the poor. So if there's only one poor person in the world and one rich person in, in the world, that rich person, his zakatable money, the poor person, that's his. The zakatable money, that's that is his money. And that's why the state could go reach its hand in there and give it to you. The state cannot touch your wealth at all, right? Uh, except for two things, which is the army. The police, they can take money for you to, to, to do that, to, to pay that, and they have to itemize it. And anything else, they would have to itemize it. For example, they would, for, uh, if it's street cleaning, uh, whatever, paving the roads, blah, 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 they have to itemize it if they're going to tax you on it. But they cannot just take a generalized tax of your wealth let a, uh, and, and do with it whatever they want later on. Think about it later. They can't do that. Uh, so let alone nationalize entire industries. Stuff is theft. When the Prophet ﷺ went to Jannah during the Mi'raj, it was physical. Yes. Did he pass the moon? Yes, he passed the moon. He passed the entire uh, everything that we know. Do you teach Arabic? Qanita, yes. If you sign up for ArcView Basic, you can take two Arabic lessons every week. Mufti Niaz Hanan teaches up our Arabic lessons. Okay. Also, only $10 a week which is as i said free uh uh being innocent how to keep our creed safe within ahd sunnah because many fitness rising nowadays keep rereading and studying the classical texts keep rereading them and studying them get to know them never stop reading them one of my favorite jobs things as a teacher of these texts i'm always reading them aqidah nasafiyah tahawiyah all right kharida and any book that the sunni scholars write on aqidah sheikh asrar has a great book 
uh, Islam answers atheism. Like I don't read it cover to cover. I just read the par the chapters that I want to read, and I never stop reading these books. Don't ever think that oh I read it before. Okay. No, knowledge is a constant repetition. Hey Ryan, we haven't gone to you yet for a while. Go ahead. What, what does it mean to make salawat on the Prophet in contrast to making salah to Allah? What does it mean to make salah on the Messenger in contrast to praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is a great question. A salah on the Prophet is a dhikr of Allah for the simple reason Allah has commanded us to do so and Allah Himself does so. What is the salah of Allah upon His Prophet? It is ata, it is giving. It is spiritual blessings. What is our salah on the Prophet? It is receiving those spiritual blessings. Allah is the giver and I'm the distributor, said the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah is the giver and I'm the distributor. So Allah's salah on the Prophet in Surah Al-Ahzab is his blessing of his messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with all forms of blessings. Our salah on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is receiving those blessings. And to the to the amount that we make salah on the messenger peace be upon him, we are receiving these spiritual blessings. Next, does Safina Society scholarship course track give ijazah with senad? Actually, right now we do not give ijazah with senad, but in the future we are headed that direction. We're headed where Arcview Basic and Scholarship will be all mutun based, pretty much, except for the youth and the kids. But it's going to be all based on Mutun, which is the classical texts that could take you up and up and up. All right. Is it correct to believe the Prophet has knowledge of the unseen? Yes, because the Prophet, uh, we say he has most, but only Allah has all. But most, because the Prophet said that, um, Prophet said that uh, he has been given knowledge of this world and the next. All right. He did say this in a famous hadith. Next question. Does the Prophet have to be alive in the dream if the dreamer dreams about him? Does he have to be alive in the dream? The Prophet can be a symbol in a dream or he can be himself. When the Prophet comes with the image that you know him as and you read in the Shema'il, then that's a vision of the Prophet. If it's anything else, then it may be a symbol for maybe a symbol of the Sunnah or something like that. Okay, next question. Uh, the four quls three times followed by Atil Kursi. What's the question there? I must have missed the question. All right. Let's go to uh, Sahar. Thank you for telling us, uh, answering the other sister's question about Arabic. Discuss the end times. We will do that, inshallah. We have a question here. Okay. Which is just, I guess, maybe answering another question. All right. Mm. I have a good one here. Yes, go ahead. Is it okay for a Muslim to be a psychiatrist as psychiatry typically supports LGBT and all that? Can a Muslim become a psychiatrist because it supports the LGBT? Uh, you're going to have issues with that. And many of the professionals in those fields, they do have issues with that. And there was a sister in California. She was, I think, she was from Azerbaijan. And she used to, 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 to talk to me about this, uh, that or like send messages saying that her field is forcing her to do certain things and she doesn't know how to handle it. So we'd have to ask her how she's handled it. All right. Um, this says, someone says, listen up, guys. Isra says, hey, this is a great talk. 
But the background, though, is disconcerting. Is it making her upset or dizzy? Uh, which sunnah salah of dhuhr is recommended four before, two after? Any amount before and any amount after. But usually it's four before and four after. In the Maliki Madhab, it's nawafil, right? It's nawafil that you're waiting for the imam or that you want to do from yourself. But it's usually four before and four after. In the Hanafi, it's four before and two after. How do we reconcile free will with taqdeer regarding sins? Excellent question. And it's very, very simple, okay, that your will is also part of the taqdeer in the sense that Allah Ta'ala has given you multiple choices. Whichever choice you make, you are fulfilling his will, right? And some scholar said an example of that is go disobey Allah on Mars. I can't. All right, go disobey Allah in 1969. I can't. Obey or disobey Allah in the year 2050. I can't. So there, those are like the parameters of Allah's will for you. But disobey Allah right now at this moment by smashing this or cursing something, somebody or something like that, then I have a choice. Both of these choices are within the divine will. Whichever choice I'm making, I'm within the divine will. You're never exiting the divine will. Cozy Chloe, have you ever heard about the show Euphoria? Never heard of it. Netflix? Sounds like a thing for the teens. Really what do you think the cause of the people uh, to prioritize exploring their sexuality so much that it's almost obsessive? Well, I have a, a simple answer to that, Cozy Chloe, is that um, she's got a, it's a sort of a catchy name, so I keep uh, having <laughs> to say it, right? But the halal satisfies, the haram dissatisfies. If people who have, who, who, who have intercourse in marriage not to be graphic here, but they have their sexuality is in marriage that is halal for them. Okay. It is something that fills your needs. It's blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Sahaba said, oh, we get reward for this? He said, if you did zina, wouldn't you get a sin? So yes, you get a reward. It is, it is something, there is a type of blessing there that is the satisfaction. Once you engage in that, khalas. You can think about other things. You're satisfied. But they're always engaging in what is haram. So they're drinking salt water. Makes you more thirsty, right? Drinking alcohol dehydrates, if you notice. If you drink water, you get hydrated. If you drink alcohol, you get dehydrated, right? Even though it's a fluid. Zina is very similar to drinking alcohol. It, it is not satisfying to a person. So they have to go more, they have to go deeper and deeper into it to get the satisfaction. They can't get the satisfaction. That's why they become obsessed. Ryan, what's your question? Big question from Brother Suhaib. He says, if one is leading the salah, mm -hmm. should one go slower or add extra dua and sujood to make sure people getting ready to join are able to in time? I uh, um, uh, The imam in salah, should he slow down if he senses people are coming? The only time that he should do this is Salat al-Fajr by reciting a long surah so that people could join. Because Salat al-Fajr people are waking up uh, and coming late. Other than that, he should just focus on his salah. He should not be thinking about the people outside the salah. Next question. This is, it's nothing but facts here, so we got to ask this question. It's nothing but facts. Go ahead, bring it. Oh. Does any of the form of that him allow rectal administration of med medication when fasting? Rectal administration of medication while fasting is the question. And the answer is, if it reaches the stomach, then it breaks the fast. If it merely absorbs right away, 
then it would not break the fast. The key is reaching the stomach, the jof. So um, I don't know what the nature of these medications are. That's usually a wax bullet, essentially, right? And uh, does it reach the stomach? I can't. It's does absorbed it? directly. It's absorbed directly into the small intestine. Something I'm not going. To so we'll find. We'll have to find. We need out. to ask a doctor. We're going to need Ahmed Adi, the pharmacist. Does the prophesied son have to be alive in a dream? We we answered that question. Um, that was a question from Connecticut. Uh, Salam, it looks like you are giving a QA while being out in the middle of the universe. How can we also attain this rank? <laughs> <laughs> Sufi comedy. All right. Meaning seeing our image of Abu Bakr and Omar in a dream. That's wonderful. Someone who sees Abu Bakr and Omar in a dream. I didn't see the, the first part of the question, but Abu Bakr and Omar also are symbols for certain things or they are themselves in the dream. One more question because unfortunately, guys, I have to go for a doctor's appointment. Need your dua. Uh, let's take one from Omar. Uh, from Ryan. Okay. Uh, Adam asked, he doesn't have much money, but he wants to give zakah somehow. Is volunteering considered a form of zakah, and where can one volunteer? Vol uh, he wants to give zakah, but he's not at the financial level to give zakah, right? That's what he says. But he wants to volunteer instead. No, if you don't, if you don't have the level of giving zakah, then you give sadaqah. And you can give sadaqah by smiling to people. You can give sadaqah by um, being nice to people, by giving your time to the masjid, things like that. I have a question. Shoot. Um, so, like, he, you know, you bring up a, an interesting point. Does that mean that, you know, in order for us to fulfill this fard, because yes. zakat is fard upon us, um, is it good to, you know, seek wealth so that we could give zakat? So it's excellent to seek wealth with the intent that you are a mutasaddiq excellent to seek wealth and think about this you got a wife you got kids you yourself have a would you rather have a leader that has wealth or is poor so if i'm a husband if i'm a wife if i'm a kid i'd, I'd like a leader of my family who has some money right it's always better to have some wealth uh which hadith said the prophet had knowledge of the unseen the hadith of the dispute of the highest angels so my brother go in and look for the hadith of the dispute of the highest angels, and you will see that. Uh, how does Allah create our actions based on discussion of relation, khalq and kasb? All actions are creations. And we have merely acquired kasb, lahama kasabat, wa'alihama ktasabat. Those creations with our actions. If you look at Aqidah Nasafiyya, for example, he says that the cutting is an action and the ripping is another action. Right, I think he uses maybe a knife or some other example where your the what we call the cause is a separate action altogether from the effect. They're uh, separate creations; they're completely separate creations. But you earn this creation by desiring, uh, by intending it, and you're uh, uh, and and by cutting. By cutting, you've expressed the intent that you want the paper ripped, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave it to you. Do all Sunnis celebrate the Maulud? They're better. Uh, other than intentions, is there any other specific dua to go to the blessed lands of Yemen to study, for example? Ya fattahu ya alim iftah lana fathan qariba. Repeat this dua as much as you can. Ya fattahu ya alim iftah lana fathan qariba. That's a great dua. Uh, can we have our pets in heaven? Why not? There's no reason that you can't, but mostly we say that pets are 
the animals themselves, they disappear in paradise and then the person has a greater desire in paradise. But they do say that, yes, you, you can, uh, you are allowed to desire your pets in heaven. Okay. Um, how do you recommend dealing with people who are very harsh with the Dean and belittle you for not wearing what they wear? It's said to say, I stay away from anyone who's harsh in the Dean because the Dean should always be associated with something nice, like a good feeling. Right. And as a result of that, we should stay away from anybody who is giving us negativity in the Dean. Which hadith uh, read that? One more question I'll take from Ryan. Bismillah. Okay. Um, what do you do if you were more religious in your 20s, but now you're getting kind of lazy and less spiritual? Good. If you're more, if you were stronger in your 20s and now you're lazy and you're losing your energy in the Dean, there's one answer to that. You got bad friends, you got bad company. Your company pulls you down. It may be your family. Your family might pull you down. Stay away from the people who pull you down and keep the company of the people who are moving in the Dean. Sometimes a brand new convert, right? A youth, they got energy. Hang around them so you can absorb some of that energy. Okay. Um, is there a link to donate? Ryan, could you put that link? That is safinaside.org backslash Dawa Center. And that's how people could support our Dawah Center. Okay. Or by taking the classes. Or by taking the classes. Do I to get married? And you can put that. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to bother you to go find the YouTube video, but on Safina Society YouTube channel, Dua to get married. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta. نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته